Hello and welcome back to the Dakota's Dune Podcast. I'm your host, Mason, and today I'm joined with Ben, Claire, and Brooke. How are you all doing today? Doing excellent. Good. Yeah, we've actually started having some uh, nice weather. You guys been getting outside? Yeah, it was a beautiful day today. A little on the uh, windy side, but uh, really nice out. Nice and sunny. Nice and sunny and actually starting to warm up a bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, over the weekend, one of my friends asked me to let her dog out. So I got to go walk and enjoy the nice weather, see the parks and stuff in town. That's good. That's good to hear. Everybody's been pent up for a while. So I'm sure everybody's uh, moods are getting a little bit brighter as it gets warmer out. Start off the discussion today. Let's do a little COVID update. I think the most pressing issue is India. I think they just broke a record with. 410,000 new cases. I believe that was the number. They are basically becoming the new Brazil. Uh, they're at, they, their cases are at an all-time high. I think they cracked, they hit the 400,000 back on, on the on 30th. But they're still averaging well over 300,000 cases a day. And I think they're having a lot of issues with oxygen shortages. I think... Um, I don't know, last I saw there was like 26 people who died in one hospital due to low oxygen. Yeah, I know there was recently, they, um, there were some airlines that shipped 300 tons of cargo to help uh, try and uh, help the situation going on there. They definitely need it. Yes, I'm actually surprised that it took until now for India to finally pop to uh, uh, have more COVID positive tests. I would have thought uh, their positivity, like I said before, would have happened much sooner just due to the fact that India is a very densely packed nation and trying to understand everything that's going on there. Yeah, I think we spoke about that. In the last podcast, the one before, maybe. But yeah, I'm I'm surprised as well. And it's unfortunate to see. Um, I don't know what like safeguards they had in place. It doesn't look like many if it's blowing up right now. Do you guys think it has anything to do with you know warmer weather? I know there was a lot of like speculation that weather. I- you know, cause some upticks in this. I don't know. What do you guys think? I do remember that being talked about last year and they were always saying like, oh, the second wave is going to happen when summer hits because um, temperatures would be in like the 85 range. Um, I don't really see why that would make a difference. I think it's more just because people are getting so comfortable now that we're a year over a year into this. And people are just kind of slacking on the health mandates and things like that. I definitely think it would be more geared towards that rather than a weather reasoning. Well, they they had looking at their historical data, they were climbing quite a bit in summer. But then once we hit um, end of September, beginning of October, they started going down. So that the statement about the heat could be true. since. we are starting to kick off now, but I'm also wondering, is it because like Brooks, you've said that people are starting to relax stuff 
uh, travel's been increasing and uh, is it just that we put our uh, people put their guard down uh, and th this is what's what naturally happened in this situation I don't know I don't know the mask rules in India either I don't know what mandates they have so as much as we want to know about this area it's going to involve a lot more I don't know, a lot more time looking into it, seeing what factors are at play. I, I bet weather has some sort of impact on it, you know, whether that be like a direct, I don't know, contribution to the virus. Maybe it works better in the heat or maybe it's just people, you know, as Brooke said, going out more, not caring as much. Huh, I don't know. This I just happened to go on to um, an Indian article where um, that was published uh, or, or just like a little early about a month ago, and apparently their their mask mandate is pretty strict. If you, when you're in your own car, you have to wear a mask. Huh. interesting. And if you don't, you get uh, what appears to be. Uh, you get some sort of a ticket or uh, some sort of penalty. But it's definitely, it's de we're definitely watching. I know the US is now, uh, uh, I believe we've banned, have we banned travel to India? I have no clue. I'm not up to date on the travel bans these days. I could have sworn I saw something about like fully vaccinated people, American citizens could go to certain countries within the European Union, but I, I I'm not versed in the travel laws at the moment. Um, well, there will be a travel ban for India starting May 4th. Okay. So Definitely, this is one of those things where only well, is time. Well, it's just this is going to be a, a situation that people are going to have to watch. And I'm guessing it won't be uh, getting better anytime soon. I do not believe so either. It's like this is just the start of it. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, let's move on from COVID. Always talking about that boring thing right <laughs> i actually just saw that a aol and yahoo thing like right before i hopped on this i didn't know they were owned by verizon i didn't know they were owned by verizon either and i'm surprised that we're seeing them being sold again i'm not too surprised that they're being sold again when was the last time you heard about aol or yahoo making any strategic moves uh <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's been a bit. I don't know. They're just offloading a little bit of sunk cost there. Well, yeah. I thought, didn't Verizon and Yahoo have something going on with like streaming NFL football stuff? Did maybe. I that up? I, maybe they do. Doesn't sound too far fetched. So I don't know. I was going to say Yahoo Sports had some sort of streaming thing, I want to say, for like 
Verizon, you know, mobile users and you could watch games. So, um, that's the only thing I can think of offhand. But other than that, you can't say they're making money moves out there. So I don't even know if AOL or Yahoo, I, I'm sure Yahoo's profitable just because they're kind of in a lot of different areas. But AOL, like to me, AOL, like the success of AOL is synonymous with the success of MySpace. It's dead. You know, I, I just don't know. They got like, how much money did they get, Ben? Do you know off the top of your head? It was a couple billion. Um, AOL was sold to Apollo Group Management for $5 billion. And, and, and Verizon had acquired AOL for $4.4 billion in 2015. I mean, at least... You're telling me they turned a profit? Yeah, for real. Nice. <laughs> Uh, but Claire, about the thing you said about the uh, watch thing, you are right. They, uh, you were able to do Yahoo Sports AR with, uh, it looks like, with your Verizon uh, connection. Okay. Yeah, that, that's surprising that they were able to make a profit for AOL, especially when AOL is pretty much dead. Yeah, I'm guessing we're going to see, uh, who knows, the Apollo Media Group. Is that what you said, Ben? Maybe they'll, maybe they have some plans for AOL and Yahoo, make them viable once again. Who knows? Maybe we, Go ahead. Who knows? Maybe we see uh, this company bring back Yahoo Answers. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, that's the dream. That's what we need. I was going to ask, though, I'm not familiar with that. I'm not familiar with too many big name companies like that. Do they own anything else of note, historically of note or current? Who, Verizon or Apollo Group, group Management? The, the Apollo Group Management. Um, um, let me see real quick. They own Chuck E. Cheese. That's important. <laughs> uh, this company, uh, it's under their, uh, it looks like it's mainly, it's mainly under their assets. They own Cox Media. Text uh, Data Corp, GE Capital Energy Financial Services, um, Diamond Resorts, Berry Plastics, um, Claire's, the uh, jewelry store. Oh, this is so, this is such a blast from the past. Chuck E. Cheese um, and Great Claire's. Wolf Lodge. They have a um, lot of investments into other areas too. Yeah, they're kind of spread out all over the place. They've got uh, jacuzzi it's more brands. It's like a hedge fund. Yeah, this looks like, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, they've also, like, they've got McGraw-Hill education books. Uh, they have a little bit of Norwegian cruise line. So I think this company is kind of, it just has has their fingers in a whole bunch of different places. Yeah, the description of it is Apollo Global Management is one of the largest alternative asset managers serving many of the world's most prominent investors. So yeah, it's like a hedge fund. They've made um, investments in like ADT, um, Rackspace, Redbox, and uh, University of Phoenix. I'm just excited, Ben, that when I asked what else they have, the first thing you were like is Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> that brought me a lot of joy today. Chuck well, Cheese. it was mainly the first one on the list that of the uh, in the that they had that I recognized the name of. Like I've never heard of Diamond Resorts before. No, uh, but Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> man, those were the days. <laughs> Some nasty ball pits. Yeah. 
when I was little, my mom purposely couldn't take us down a certain interstate because me and my brother knew that was where the exit for Chuck E. Cheese was. And we'd want to go to Chuck E. Cheese, so she'd purposely like take a different route. So has anyone heard of the the uh, claims out there that they they were the ones they recycled pizza? Oh yeah, that was a big thing. I never did anyone ever that. prove it? I don't know. I don't think so. No, I think I just saw that on like some really unreliable like articles on Facebook or something. No yeah. Facebook. What do we do without you? Well, in some other business news, we have Apple and Epic fighting for like app marketplace freedoms, I believe. Um, I think Epic uh, had their Fortnite game wildly popular. I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, It was taken off Apple stores for a bit due to like in-game purchases or something of the sort. Yeah, I think it was it was removed from the Play Store because epic didn't like that apple that they had to use um apple's payment processing system so that way apple gets 30 percent of the revenue generated from a purchase on the app store uh, oh. i believe today was the first day of uh, the uh, court battle uh, and apparently looking at some of the highlights that were given it's uh some there's some pretty uh um, big things that were going to come out of this, uh, especially considering that the uh, App Store is a very big revenue generator for Apple. And if it's true that these this is a 30% take, then who knows, maybe we see other companies get one of the same battles like this. But I think Apple's going to win. I, uh, you know, Epic. So the way that these like gaming platform things work, you know, things such as Epic, they have their own Uh, steam is a popular one from valve and, you know, the Apple app store, the way these things work is they get a cut of the the profit. I think steam takes a 10 to 15% cut. Epic takes an even a smaller amount. Um, but yeah, that's the way they work. You you can put your game on that service to get it sold, and then they get a, a slice of the profit. And I, I don't think Epic will be able to fight that with Apple because they're using their service, and Epic even has their, a service of their own that's very similar. Well, okay, I actually disagree with you, and I think that they're gonna Epic's actually gonna win in this thing because Apple has agreed with. Some, there's been some evidence that's come out. Um, we don't know 100% if this is true or not, but Apple and some of the other big companies like Amazon, Apple doesn't have to have you. The Amazon does not need to use Apple's um, proprietary payment processing because, like, you can buy it buy your Amazon order on app on your on the Amazon app on your phone, and not, and they don't have to take the cut. But there are some things that you can use the Apple App Store's payment method to use on products where these companies where some of these companies are having to take that 30% cut and they've been able to, to negotiate it. So I bet what this does is, is it's kind of a um, revelation to the Apple very close walled the walled the walled courts of Apple where you find out nothing where we're gonna find out something about uh, 
how this payment processing works and their requirements. And I bet we see changes come out of this topic. I don't know if we will, Ben. Uh, Amazon's a lot different than a game. I'm sure different terms and conditions apply. They have a service rather than a product. I don't know, though. I guess we'll just have to wait and see uh, what happens with this this trial. Some uh, other big news, and this one actually happening pretty recently, Bill and Melinda Gates are splitting up. What will that mean for the future of the Gates Foundation? Who knows? Will Melinda be a contender for the richest woman in the United States? Would she know? Uh, the the current richest woman in the United States is Bezos' ex-wife. I forget her name. So, uh, yeah, it depends on how much she gets from it. I think you're right, Mason. Yep. And what is she valued at? I think she got around like 40 or 50 billion from the divorce. She was awarded a 4% stake in Amazon, which was worth upwards of 36 billion in mid 2019. Yes, but the person who um, is the richest woman is actually the founder of Walmart's daughter. Oh, she must have. Is that recent? No. Is she surpassed? Oh, maybe not then. I'm on Yahoo Answers, and this came out in October of 20. I mean, not Yahoo, Yahoo Entertainment, I should say. Oh, I was really hoping it was going to be Yahoo Answers. Was like, and this article have, like, came out in late. Name. This came out in late 2020, saying that. Um, oh, sorry. Yep, you're right. Alice Walton's got 62.3 billion, whereas Mackenzie Scott's got 57 billion. So she's the second richest woman. Sorry. Yes. So. Melinda could become the richest if Bill's worth 130 and I don't know what uh, Melinda Gates is worth. She's estimated at about 70 billion. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation since both of them are um, the co-chairs of that foundation. The big thing I'm curious of what's going to happen is what's going to happen with their mansion in Medina, Washington, since it's a uh, 66,000 square foot home. Uh, 66,000? Yes, yes. That's Uh, insane. I can't even uh, imagine that. Jeez. Uh, The place has a private library with a dome-shaped roof, a 60-foot swimming pool with an underwater music system, 2,500. 2,500 square foot gym, heated floors and driveways. Um, let me pull up the property taxes because those are ridiculous. Oh my gosh. And there's two people living there? <laughs> yes. Uh, one person for each 33,000 square feet. Oh my God. Okay. I, my brain cannot wrap around that. That's insane. I know. It would be sold as the private library, though, to be honest. That, that would be awesome. Dang, with the dome that's the dream. Yeah. We all know that Bill Gates has the most flex library ever. For sure. So, uh, uh, on the, here, so here's what Zillow claims the house to be. One bedroom, 10 and three-quarter bath, 48,000 square feet, 
Um, apparently in 20 in the 2018 assessment, it was a hundred and thirty-one point two million dollars. For one bedroom? One bedroom. One bedroom okay. and ten bathrooms. That makes a lot of sense. Ten and a half. Ten and a half. Ten and three quarter. <laughs> oh, ten and three quarters. Oh, I missed that. Um, Sorry, y'all. Property taxes as of 2019 were one million. I mean, sorry, that would be in 2018. And apparently he bought the lot in 1996 for $136,000. Oh, so he built it all. Yes. Well, his neighbors to his neighbors to the north are only 20 million. Only. And they and they've only got four bedrooms, four and three quarter bath, but 10,000 square feet. I'm still confused on this whole one bedroom calculation thing. Well, this is according to Zillow, and we know Zillow is ha, doesn't have the most accurate. There's an, another person right next to him that's a two that says it's two bedrooms, six bath, twenty seven thousand square feet. I mean, like I understand how, like you know, having a massive gym is not a bedroom, and that adds a lot of square footage to things. But like, uh, that's suspicious. <laughs> And then his neighbor to the south is three million with only two thousand square foot. Wouldn't you love to be Bill Gates's neighbor? Oh, dude, your property value goes up. <laughs> well, it already is the rich sticks anyway. That's wild, though. Yeah, I feel like that's the neighborhood you'd want to live in in general. For like, I don't want to say for safety reasons, but I'm sure there's some wackos who you know are trying to go. Grab Bill Melinda Gates, but like the same time, if something happened and you needed like the police called or you need security stuff, I feel like they'd be on it. They'd they'd be really quick. Um, where is it? So there, there's a picture out there. It you can barely can even see the house from the water. Oh, and it's waterfront, so that makes it more expensive. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's see the uh, library. We need photos of the library. That's so sweet. That's like a dream for real. Oh, uh, exactly oh how I pictured it. <laughs> oh. For anyone listening to the podcast, we're currently looking at <laughs> the library on a shared screen. Oh, man. So we all saw it at the same time. That was beautiful. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure you're going to have to be specific about which house. No, everyone knows the Medina house. It's called Zandu 2 or some stupid name like that. I'm trying to find the pictures that I've seen. So by implications of the name, there's a Zandu 1. <laughs> yeah? No idea. No idea. Okay. <laughs> but the library, y'all, that's my dream. All oh, right. I remember there's there was a there's a system in that house where uh, I believe you get like a special name tag or something. And as you walk through the house, the lights, the temperature and the music changes to whatever you selected. Casual flex. Oh, no, stop. stop. Seven bedrooms, six kitchens. Twenty four bath. Wait, what? <laughs> We have conflicting reports everywhere. 
Yeah, that's the proof. We went from what was ten and three quarters, not ten and a half. Well, okay, but remember, that's what Zillow is reporting, and Zillow only it is not the most accurate, but it gives us a rough estimate. Why would you need twenty four bathrooms? Why do you need a twenty five thousand square foot gym for two people? So they can ball up. That's why. For real, four court. Full court. Full oh. court 1v1. Yeah, dude. <laughs> they wanted to build a sky <laughs> zone. That's why. They wanted to build a sky zone. <laughs> and the library. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I, every time we see it, like, oh, the lighting, the curtains, the Stores wood built a, in shelving. A $31 million Leonardo da Vinci manuscript. There's That's... a quote from Great Casper on the ceiling. That it literally looks like the Great Gatsby house from Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my gosh! Underwater music system. That's like the second time I've seen that phrase. I don't really know what that means, but I am very curious. All right, should we move on? <laughs> yeah, we. No, can I'm not on. over this. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. What the heck? It's a pretty cool place. Definitely looks like it. I could retire there. Couldn't any of us retire there? Oh, yeah. But uh, back to what were we talking about before we started going eye candy with Bill Gates' house? We were talking about their divorce. Oh, right. Who, we gets, the divorce. <laughs> who gets, well, the yes, who gets the house? Who gets the library? Sky Zone. <laughs> um, definitely, this is going to be a uh, very expensive divorce. I thought when we saw the uh, Jeff Bezos divorce, we thought everyone thought that was probably going to be one of the most expensive ones. And now uh, I think the Bill and Melinda is going to break the bank. I'm sure it will. I don't think it's any bad blood, though. I doubt we'll see any bad blood type stuff. They've been together too long. Well, speaking of that expensive breakup, online classes are really expensive and well. India, at least, has come out with a thing saying that, well, their Supreme Court court has said that online classes must reduce their fees um, because, well, they're not paying for the facilities that would be provided when the on-campus environment is closed. Uh, So I actually think that this isn't a bad uh, thing that has come out. Uh, especially considering how expensive some of these online classes have become. And when you really think about it, all you're really paying for is the instructor's time and just watching videos. So there's not much expense of like, you don't have to have a building maintained. You don't have to heat that building. You don't have to have security and maintenance done to it. I would actually argue a little bit against that. I, um, I wrote a, an issue story for one of my classes on how higher ed is adapting because of COVID, particularly with online classes. And a school like UND was actually really prepped to go online because we have so many online students to begin with, but you do need like a massive IT team. You need the software, you need the storage to run all these online classes, um, paying for things like Blackboard, Um, server space like there are some fees if you don't have the tech infrastructure however once those are in place there would be no reason to have an extravagantly high cost for online classes but a school like ndsu which didn't prioritize 
in an online presence for students, they would need to charge more than someone that, that attends UND, right? Yeah, I, can, I, I, I agree with the sense that yes, that, that, that this whole online thing gets expensive, but you shouldn't be paying almost the exact same as if you were paying for in-person for a class. Oh that yeah, no. And that's where I think that this, um, this Supreme Court thing in India is like, okay, you look at what, for example, you look at what we have to pay for our online class. Um, here we go, we can pull up UND's thing right now. I'm pretty sure that pre-COVID, um, online classes were significantly cheaper, but not many people were taking them because they just weren't really necessary. And then as soon as COVID hit and we had to take online classes, they upped the prices by like hundreds of dollars, I'm pretty sure, to make them almost the same as in-person classes. So for a North Dakota undergraduate with an undecided major on campus for the 2020-2021 school year, um, the estimated tuition was $10,276.80. If you were that's, to make that- That's pre-aid though. Um, that's pre-aid, pre-anything. So that's, and that's just an est the estimated cost. Okay, because I was going to say, I'm in-state and I should add that when I started in engineering and switched my major, I dropped like $700 off of student fees on my tuition. Like what y'all, if you're an engineering your major, just take the engineering classes because you don't need to pay an extra $700 lab fees. It's awful. So the, um, so the online tuition is also uh, slightly different uh, is the tuition is based on your credits, but the per credit cost with the fees is $428.20 plus fees of $17.36. Yeah, I remember uh, I, I didn't want to take any online courses before COVID, you know, pre-COVID. I remember always being more expensive. It was always like $100 or $200 more expensive, which I didn't understand. Yeah, and I, and I don't understand why an online course is more expensive than an in-person when like we said, the in like I said, the in person, you don't have to pay for a room. You don't have to pay to heat the room. The instructor can either reuse the material. Like if they're, let's say they're, let's say they're teaching a, a history 101 course or history, what is it, 160, 102 or, or something. If they're already teaching an in person lecture of that unit, what they can just do is record that lecture the in-person lecture and then have it posted so that way the online students can watch the in-person lecture and then they don't have to do twice the work. But once they have everything recorded for once, they don't have to re-record all of them because they should be covering the exact same material every single year. So I feel like um, these online classes are just, um, the prices just keep getting driven up because people are going to pay them no matter what. But I think at some point there's got to be a time where we say, okay, this is crazy that online is so much more expensive than in person where, why are we doing this anymore? I don't think we'll see a price reduction in tuition. Um, what I'd hope to see is a little more, I don't know, clarity with expenses and more freedom and choosing which expenses you pay, you know, like say, um, I, I haven't gone to the wellness center this year, uh, especially being online. I wasn't even in Grand Forks. So why would I have to pay for that if I'm not using it? You know, that is factored into our tuition and stuff like that. But 
maybe an option to not pay it could be a thing. I don't know. But no, I feel like I, I, what I'm wondering is with India's Supreme Court now making this, um, this, uh, this uh, ruling, do they, is, do we maybe see the U S doing it? Maybe not current, maybe not in the next year, but maybe do we maybe see it in the next five, maybe 10 years of, okay, these online classes, maybe we don't have to charge so much compared to the in-person ones. Uh, I don't, I don't think we'll see any government mandates saying they have to reduce, but I don't know. Maybe people will just get fed up. I'm I, sure. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, um, I was just going to say, I think that people did enjoy some aspects of online classes. They weren't very popular before COVID. Like, I don't know many people that took online classes, but I think people are getting so used to the flexibility and um, the way that they can work online classes into their schedule that I think they're going to be more popular even when in-person is brought back. And I think that universities are going to see that as like a profit point kind of. So I don't think they will reduce them because I think people are going to want to take more online classes regardless because they've realized that it can work well with their university schedule. I also think it works well with certain classes. Like I think some of these large lecturable classes, like, like that history class I mentioned, the online makes it a little easier because how many of you in a, in a big class of that have ever had to go to the in, uh, instructor and ask some questions right after class? It's terrifying. I've done it. <laughs> I've done it as well. And I wonder if maybe some people are also like, you know what? Why do I need to sit in this gigantic room when I could just do it? Maybe, maybe I, maybe I'm a night owl. They only offer it in the morning and I could just take this online and do it late in the evening or something. I, I do see us going to having some more online classes, but the switch to 100% online. I still don't see happening for a while. Uh, I think I think this whole uh, adventure with COVID of trying to figure out online has shown that um, we don't have the technology is here to do it, but we just don't know the best ways to do it. Well, I think there's a lot to be said about how teachers are developing online curriculum. Um, the example I have granted is from, you know, spring 2020 when everyone is just kind of, you know, in emergency panic mode of just trying to get online as quickly as possible. But I remember emailing one of my professors, I was in Calc 2, and I was like, hey, I don't understand this concept. I've watched all five of your video lectures. I've done all the examples. I can't get my homework software to come out. And I just, I want it. I want to be done. Can we like set up a Zoom meeting or something? And she was like, no, I don't think so. I can extend the deadline for you though. I don't think you understand. You're just prolonging my pain. I still don't know how to do whatever stupid series we were in at the time. Like, so, but you need, you need to teach professors how to teach, which is obviously a topic of debate for in-person classes as well. But one other topic before we, before we hit sports is, do we see UND possibly requiring having a COVID-19 vaccine by the start of the next academic school year. I know we've seen there's been a few of the a few of the uh, universities have already required or have, are going to require it for the fall. Um, but do you think we're, we're going to see UND require it? 
I know that the North Dakota governor, um, they are talking about that right now. And I know that they're like opposed to the whole vaccine passport thing, um, just because they think it might be like an infringement on like the right to personal choice and all of that. But that doesn't mean that I guess the university itself couldn't require it and kind of override the whole North Dakota um, ruling, whatever they decide. So I don't know if we'll see a mandate. I don't think people would be too happy, especially in a state like North Dakota. But I don't know. I could be wrong. I think is little as the death percentage of this virus is i i do believe people are you know um are correct in their concern for it you know it is a deadly disease so i can see people wanting a mandate but i don't know people are are hard to judge yeah i think that it would definitely maybe hurt enrollment and campus retention a little bit if it did happen I think that lots of people would then just choose online classes. People that didn't want to do the vaccine would just take online classes and wouldn't come to campus entirely. That's a good point. I don't know. I'm not vaccinated yet. And I, I'm not in a hurry to get vaccinated. I don't know. Ben, what do you think? You think they'll mandate it? I think they will, but, uh, mainly because we've seen some, there's now been a handful of larger universities coming out and doing it um, across the nation. So I, I don't, I, I bet we would, if they're going to do something, I bet we would see it uh, before July, I would think mainly. So that way students would have the time to be able to, if not have it, get the full doses and everything. Because let's, how many, let me look and see how many colleges even require it. So California has a whole bunch of them um, that require it. Colorado's got a whole bunch. Florida even has some. Georgia's got some. Right there. Just, uh, it looks like it's kind of a variety of states. Minnesota even has has two colleges that are going to require it. Uh, Does it say which two? Um. As of a few days ago, it was Carleton College and it looks like McAllister College. Mason, you're from Minnesota. Tell us more. Tell us more. Sorry, I don't know. What were you just talking about, Ben? Oh, I was just saying that there's actually quite a few colleges that require some big name, some small name like Dartmouth and New Hampshire is requiring it. Um, Princeton, Rutgers, uh, Cornell's requiring it. Ithaca College is requiring it. A lot of, a lot of big name, a lot of small name, uh, a lot of no I'm name. I'm hearing lots of private schools. Is what I'm lots hearing. Of, lots of private schools. Yeah. Because that's why I was asking Mason. We asked um, what the two Minnesota schools were, just to see if they were. Um, if they were private schools, because I didn't recognize the names offhand. So what were the Minnesota schools? Sorry. Um, the Minnesota schools uh, were Carleton College and McAllister College. Uh, I'm not familiar with McAllister, but yeah, Carleton is another private school. Uh, and they are very expensive. <laughs> it's actually um, 
Carlton and St. Olaf are pretty close to each other. They're in Northfield, and that's like 15 minutes away from my hometown. So, so very close. Yeah. yeah, so like some of like some of these are the big name colleges, like the entire University of California college system is requiring it. Uh like uh Colorado State University system, University of Colorado, Colorado. So uh, that's more people requiring it than I thought. Yeah, there's actually a big list of uh, uh, California currently has the most on the list, but I think that also happens to be because there's a lot of people in California. Are any of them requiring a certain vaccine or just vaccinated in general? I believe it's just requiring to be vaccinated. I don't believe that. But there, there is a lot. There are a couple lawsuits currently going because currently neither of these not neither of these vaccinations are fully approved yet. They're still emergency use authorization. But I would, I I do wonder if uh, they are taken out of the emergency use authorization and have received full approval that maybe some of this uh, uh, these changes would happen. I don't know. I'm honestly a bit surprised that so many are mandating it. I don't know. Just weird to me. All right. So that's enough COVID talk. Let's get on to some sports. I think we uh, didn't have our best week, but we'll be back to get them in the next one. We had softball winning their first game against North Dakota state. And then they lost the second football unfortunately lost to james madison i believe we play him again today right now are they playing no that was a one and done i believe i thought yeah. they had another it's i thought it was playoff stuff i think they're done yeah maybe that was the last one no oh mama oh yeah i was like i couldn't think of it because you said brad Berry, and i was like well that's hockey that's all my brain <laughs> yeah but Looks like it was a, a pretty good game for for UND football, especially considering it was a very light season since they had a few games uh, get uh, canceled. I don't. Are we playing again? I am I wrong with that? I no, basically, I'd, pretty sure we're not. <laughs> and I'm wrong. All right. This yeah, regard, it was. It was this one Who did I see? Hey, but making it to the quarterfinals for football is kind of a pretty, I don't think has happened in a while. I don't think it From has. From my either. understanding, this is a pretty historic run in general. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I get confused on how the conferences get divided up for football. Ugh, are we Summit League these days? Mm. I know I could have sworn we were like Sun Valley a few years ago. I don't keep up with it too much just because my brain can't handle all of that. Pea brain hours, but yeah. I'm gonna say I think it's a pretty historic run for us, at least in this particular conference. I can't remember. We keep we keep changing conferences. Like we're currently the Missouri Valley Conference. We were we were Big Sky and then we were Summit. So we've changed in like the last three years. Yeah, see, I didn't even get them right. That's uh, tough. Apparently, we shared a three-way tie for the conference. Well, football had an excellent run, a historic run, and they did very well. That's all I know. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Dakota's Doing Podcast.
We'll be back next week with some more news, whatnot, whatever you like. And uh, take care. Stay safe out there, folks. Have a good one.